Welcome to Manager Tools. How to respond to a request for a raise. Here we go. A direct comes to you. He asks you for a raise, right? Right. Every manager's fear. That your whole day just goes, just goes right. to you know where. And maybe you saw it coming, maybe, you know, or maybe it's out of the blue, but regardless, is there a right way to respond? Yeah, there is. Shouldn't they be meeting this, this incredibly high standard to earn it? They should. And the next the question that comes to my mind is, this is, I think, one of the biggest fear that people have, right? Which is, if I say no, don't I risk losing them? Yes, you do. Okay, great. So we need to talk about this. But that doesn't mean that it's not, there's not a right answer. And it doesn't mean that, I mean, as we've said many, many times, this is not risk-free manager tools. Right. Okay, so you, so you have some ideas on this? Is that what you're saying? I, I might. Okay, so if I were to ask you these questions, I'm just gonna, off the top of my head, I'm going to talk for 45 minutes. Off the now. top of my head, I'm going to show notes and raises and conversation. Yeah, okay. So how are we going to walk through this today? Here's our outline, and then I have a brief aside, a sort of a a program note, as they would say on TV. The first rule of responding to a request for a raise: number one is first say no. Okay, and we'll explain why and how throughout this cast. The reasons why. Our second point, compensation isn't a primary retention tool. Now, we understand this opens you up to risk, and we'll talk about that directly in this cast. Next, we're going to ask the direct to come back to us with a presentation supporting their request, which, by the way, is a gate that many don't aren't willing to meet. And the last thing you're going to do is you're willing to reconsider the request later. Because now what we've done is put the conversation on a playing field of raises are possible. If, you know, improving your salary is directly equivalent to improving your performance. Simple as that. Now, the program note. We need a series of casts on salary administration, um, on compensation, on benefits, and so on. And we intend to do them. And... One of the reasons we haven't is because the concept of administration is not actionable. So this was the first effort. We also obviously have a cast about not counter-offering, but that's a slightly different situation. But we intend to provide this, provide that background, and we want to do it in an actionable way. So this isn't the first in a series, but it will end up being the first in a number about salary administration and about the conversations one has around them. Okay. So back to, back to this show. Right. Um, first point is first say no. I come to you and say, hey, Mark, I've been working really hard and uh, I think I deserve a raise. And you're going to say to me, no. Yeah, Next. see, here's the thing. You, 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 you got to get the grammar right. Hey, boss, can I have a raise? No. <laughs> anything, okay. anything else? <laughs> anything else? Right. Okay. And look, guys, be gone. We, we're be making gone, long yeah, be gone. <laughs> be gone. That's the second word. Look, guys, we respect that the no is a fear-inducing thing on your part, and we're when we laugh about it, we're not suggesting that you'll be cavalier in doing so. Follow us through the rationale, and recognize that there are only three possible answers: no, yes, or something else, which you allow the the direct to draw some conclusion from, which inevitably will probably be no anyway. All right. So there really is a right answer to a direct's request for a raise. And the answer is to say no. Now, yeah, obviously it's more nuanced than that. Thank, thank you it, for yeah, giving yeah. us that. <laughs> it's not quite that simple, but, but you and I, 
Mike, you and I know the vast majority of managers that are listening right now do not have the authority on their own to grant a raise. That's right. They don't. The the vast, vast majority. Yeah. So, so based on what we have seen to be the fundamental misunderstandings and, and assumptions that are wrong from directs, what this all means is by definition, you have to say no. It sounds terrible, but if you get any hint at all that your direct thinks you're the person who is going to decide, you have to say no because that has to be your decision because you can't say yes. Anybody can say no. Right. And no doesn't mean forever, right? It's yeah, not permanent. exactly. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll talk more about that later too. Look, our point here is you're going to end up saying no in the short term because you can't offer a raise right away because there's administration and it's not your decision alone. And look, too many of us are fearful of saying no, even though we know that that's where we're going to end up in most raise request situations. Guys, we're not going to talk about a lot here, but I'm going to put this out, and this is part of the salary administration discussions later. You're supposed to say no. You work for the company, right? We have a podcast. Welcome to the day right? Professional subordination. Uh, Your role power means you speak for the company. The company doesn't want to give people raises. I I know that sounds horrible, but the company doesn't want to cut people's salaries either. Right. It also wants to stay in business, right? Yeah, exactly. And there are all kinds of factors in there. And it depends on whether you take the 10,000 foot view or the one foot view which side you fall on on any given day, or whether or not you're thinking about your relationship with your direct, or whether or not you're thinking about your relationship with the company. So you have to learn to be willing to say no, and the way to do that, of course, is to say no. And our point here is, your fear of saying no doesn't make the often inevitability of the no any less true. And here's the big problem, An answer of you fumbling around, stumbling, essentially conveying surprise and a lack of preparedness when most directs would say, look, if I want to raise, whether I think I've earned it or not, just I want to raise or I think I deserve one or I think I've earned it. And there are people who want it, who believe they deserve it, who haven't earned it by any stretch of the imagination. In both cases, you're the right person to talk to. So by definition, you're the one they should come to. It astounds young people, particularly individual contributors, that managers are surprised. Where else should I go? Why are you surprised? And in fact, you shouldn't be surprised, and so expressing surprise is not a professional way to respond. And a lot of individual contributors would tell us about most managers and the lame answers they give that essentially don't answer the question they would say, he wouldn't respond that way if he was going to give me a raise. If he was going to give me a raise based on my request, he would immediately say, oh, gosh, I've been preparing to talk to you about this, or you certainly have earned it. Yeah, you, you, your surprise and All lack of preparation yeah. proves that, you you know, to, to him, everything he needs to know. Yeah, <laughs> everything he needs to know. Every Actually, not everything he needs to know. Everything he fears oh, about yeah. your role power over him. Yeah. So, look. Let's forget about saying yes, which is a rarity that you have the ability magically to say yes. You're essentially saying no because communication is what the listener does and the director is listening. So therefore, why not say no 
and explain some of the rationale for the no, but leave open the possibility that it could become a yes if the individual contributor does their part in the dance that is performance and pay. And the idea that any large system is reasonably well efficient and yet in each individual instance within that system every individual instance is perfectly efficient is ludicrous right. the, the whole point of the whole concept of suboptimization suggests that for the entire system to be efficient there must be inefficiencies throughout it just like wall street people say all the time oh the market's efficient people say no it's not there's mis there's mispricings all the time and guys People didn't say every single pricing decision of every single stock was inherently efficient. What it said was the market was efficient. The market generally allocates capitally, capital appropriately. But at times, that then creates inefficiencies between one company that's underinvested in and another one that's overinvested in until information reaches the people who are making the decisions such that the inefficiencies tend to go away. But if you have a system that has a lot of very small inefficiencies that ends up canceling, that end up canceling each other out, you end up with a very efficient market. And we don't have to talk about Wall Street. Wall Street is the one everybody talks about because there's a lot of money involved. But this is true about marketplace theory in general, guys, and you might wonder why we're talking about marketplace. The reason why is because that's what salary is. It's a gigantic marketplace. The original bazaars, and when I say bazaar, I mean B-A-Z-A-A-R, the places where people in the middle of town went to buy and sell things, were efficient overall. If they weren't efficient overall, they would die. They would go away because society, civilization, culture seeks some normalcy and if they don't get normalcy in one system a new system will generally crop up that generally doesn't require governmental intervention sometimes it does but bazaars can continue to exist because they generally serve overall the entire population of the people involved buyers and sellers and vendors and and the accoutrement associated with that that doesn't mean that every purchase you make in a bazaar is a good one so when a direct comes to you and asks for a raise, they're essentially ringing a bell that or pulling back the curtain without realizing it on the incredible complexity of the salary marketplace. And for us to respond with anything other than confidence and understanding implies that there are other things. They expect us to know that we don't know. And so now, the next time I have a conversation with you, if I'm your boss, I raise an eyebrow and I say, how confident should I be of her response, my boss's response to this situation? Because I asked for a raise. I don't know anybody else I would go to. And my boss started stumbling and fumbling. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. So the first step is for you, the manager, to understand this yeah, marketplace. That's what that that the, our first step is. We're not saying that you are giving an unequivocal no till the end of time, but we want you to be able to manage your response. And one of the easy ways we can help you manage the response is to give you a clear answer, a no, and then and and by the way, that applies to a lot of people. Those people who are performing at the mean um, or underperforming. And by the way, part of our salary administration cast, guys, the series is going to include what do I do about the person who's at the mean, but they haven't had a raise in three years? And one of the responses is, how's the company doing? Well, the company's been flat in terms of performance for the last three 
years. Okay, then. <laughs> so the efficient market says if the company's flat, then roughly everybody within the company needs to be flat as well. And that happens. We're recording this in 2015. Uh, from 2008 to 2012, 13, 14, maybe even still to 15, there's not been an increase. So for now, we're not going to give the direct raise immediately because A, we don't have the authority to do that. And B, even if we did, we would have to consider its effect on budget and in smaller company financial metrics and targets, and that takes time. So in other words, the no is a time-based no to some degree. And C, since it's likely we have to convince someone else, our direct is first going to have to convince us, and they likely haven't brought us supporting justification. So therefore, our answer is going to effectively be no. But you said earlier, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. So you're simply not going to say, hey, Mark, no, sorry. Yeah. Uh, next, next item. <laughs> yeah. So how does it sound? Yeah. So let me also say this as an aside. We recently did an experiment at one of our public conferences. We have three conferences now, the Effective Manager Conference, the Effective Communications Conference, and the Effective Interviewer Conference. Last year, Danny and I agreed, and you blessed the decision, that we would try a couple of times this year in 2015 to have an Effective Communications Conference before an Effective Managers Conference. Typically, it's always the Manager Day first, the Communications Day second. We thought there might be some benefit to having the communications conference first, because that would then, for those people who come both days, and many do, that would then give us the opportunity to bring up behavioral tendencies. We use the DISC model to give us clues about that. Behavioral tendencies in our discussions of management. That tended not to be the case. We don't really see that happening in the two or three uh, tests we've done. Uh, in that regard. But but I want to take a moment here and address for those many, many hundreds of thousands of listeners uh, that hear us and know about our, our belief in people have different behavioral tendencies and the vocabulary we use is DISC is to say this. Folks, if you're a high S manager, if you're a warm, fuzzy, loving, personable, caring, gentle, kind soul who also is an effective manager, because anybody can be an effective manager. It doesn't matter what your personality is. We respect that this conversation is going to be hard for you. The high D says, oh, good. I'm comfortable saying no. And now I don't have to stumble around. I have the words. We're about to give you the words to say. It works for everybody. It's going to be harder for so the, those URSs because you want to try to avoid a no immediately. I'll give you two, two suggestions on that. First of all, don't assume that all of your directs are just like you. Interestingly enough, for the high Ds, they love saying no, but they have not considered at all, what if I have a high S working for me, and maybe I ought to soften that. But for you high S managers, if Mike or I work for you, we don't want you to take 15 minutes to dance around the subject and then leave me with the impression that it might be true that you're probably not going to say yes, so therefore I'm supposed to assume that was a no. We don't want that. We want you to hit us in the nose and say no. But secondly, ask yourself what you would want from your boss if you believed the answer was likely to be no in the end. Would you want him to string you along? And we think the answer would be no. no. Now, can I perfectly satisfy every one of the hundreds of thousands of listeners we have every week? In fact, we're over a million listeners a month now. 
can I perfectly satisfy everybody with this with, with this example? No. But please don't disregard it simply because it doesn't sound like you. I wrote it in a neutral tone with the idea that anybody could use it. And gosh, if you're a licensee, print it out, edit it a little bit, retype it if you have to, and practice it a couple of times before you before you have to face this. Wouldn't be hard to listen to this cast a few times on uh, on a train back and forth to work and then print this out, again, if you're a licensee and you have access to the show notes, and then say, okay, I've got the rough themes here. Um, the next time somebody asks, I'll be able to deliver this 80%. Okay? All right. So, here's how it might sound. Um, now, to be clear, because we haven't walked through the rest of the, allergic, uh, the, the logic of the, this initial no, we're going to break up the totality of your answer across the entire podcast. I'll repeat at a high level at the end, but for now, we're just going to highlight the initial paragraph or two, um, the initial no. So let's start with a performer about whom your first thought is, no way does this person <laughs> deserve a raise. Okay. The one you're most likely just absolutely wouldn't say no yeah. to. And what's funny is because we fear the no, and we'll talk about that later too, this is the person that ought to be easiest to say no to. But this is the person we stumble the most because we suddenly realize they've asked a question that requires us, if we're truthful, to tell them they're not a high performer. That's right. And the high D might be, you know, might be tempted to say, like, hell no. Already. Yeah. But, okay, we're not going to recommend it. Yeah, good. Even under these circumstances. Okay. So low performer, below average performer, not someone who you think could convince you perhaps to get a raise. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to say no for now. I'm not opposed to these conversations, but a raise is something I can't do myself, and the process for giving raises isn't trivial. Again, guys, that's the first paragraph. There's more to come in the rest of the cast. Now, for those managers who are willing to say it, you could go even further for somebody who has been on a performance plan in the last year, perhaps. Even if they came off of a performance plan, and I've actually had someone do this to me, they came off of a performance plan and then they said, well, my performance clearly has improved, I deserve a raise. I said, oh no, you are now operating in arrears. I, I mean, mind you now, I was 32 when this happened, but you are now operating in arrears because your pay didn't go down when your performance dropped to the level that we had to put you on a performance plan and you sucked up other resources, me, my time, managing, more closely managing your performance. Uh, we kept your pay the same while you dropped your performance. You can't ask for a raise because you're out of the ditch. Right. If we use the land analogy, there's ditches, there's plains, and there's mountains. You get a chance for a raise when you're in the mountains. But just because the plains feel like not the ditch or they feel like the mountains compared to the ditch doesn't mean you're in the mountains. Right. Well, and you're just now to the level of performance that you're actually earning your current pay, let alone more. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So here's how that might sound. Samuel, I'm going to say no. First, I can't say yes because there's a process. But even before that, the first principle is performance. And your performance hasn't justified an increase in my opinion. Now, guys, some of you are thinking, wow, that's harsh. And I'm trying not to say it harshly, and some of you could probably add a few words to make that a little bit more soft. But I want, to, I want you to consider something. What happens 
if you don't say no and you allow every person who asks you for a raise to start the entire process of going to the system, because that's what you're going to do in anything other than a very small company, and engaging the system and bringing the decision back to you about whether or not this person can have an increase in compensation. And the moment you say that, engaging the system, what you're talking about is spending your political capital. You're going to ask your boss to spend time, strike one, to communicate with others, strike two, on something sensitive, strike three. You're going to spend your own political capital. And if nothing else, you know, we, we talk, we, there's the podcast about politics 101, and we need to do more, more give more guidance on, on uh, politics, but you don't spend your political capital on your weaker performers. Right. You definitely don't ask your boss to spend her political capital on her weaker skips. You just don't do that. Okay, next example. For somebody whose performance isn't terrible, but you're still unlikely to give them a raise, or their performance is at the mean or maybe even slightly above, but again, just because somebody's at the mean or slightly above wouldn't mean, therefore, oh, sure, they're going to get a raise, because that's the case, salary administration would implode. You might say this. My first answer is no. There's a process, and it's slower than most people want, and it takes a good bit of preparation. And it's a fairly high bar you have to meet. Being above average is simply not enough. By the way, to be, to be clear there, I'm not suggesting that that was meant to convey to them that they are only slightly above average. I do want them to draw that conclusion, but if they said, are you saying I'm only slightly above average? No, I'm saying what the bar is for salary administration. If they then choose to go back and say, yeah, maybe I'm only slightly above average, maybe I won't go through all the hard work, you've essentially prefaced the no, the actual no, they're going to earn by not going through the process with an accurate prediction of that by saying, I'm going to say no. Right. And, and again, like you said before, there, there's more here. That's not the end of the yeah. of the conversation. What, now, what about the better performer, somebody who's a, a, a good performer or well above average? Yeah. So I might say this. I'd love to, but it's not that easy. In the short run, right now, I have to say no because I can't magically change your salary. But let's talk about the process and what we can do, and it may make sense to put together a case and fight for it. You know, it's, it strikes me as this is such a, a much better approach than a lot of managers take. And, and I know there's a lot of managers out there who I think mistakenly take the approach of saying yes to every quest, like, like saying yes with the implication, I'm going to try to get this done. And then if it doesn't get done, they blame the process or the boss oh. or the company or there's not enough money or it's an HR problem, right? So they blame all those folks for the ultimate answer of no, and they never take the stand. Yep, exactly. And you and I are in violent agreement about that because, of course, we got taught in school about professional subordination. But there are two problems with the approach. The first thing is that encourages everyone to wait to go all the way through the process of creating a supporting presentation. And by the way, that's a lot more work than you realize. We'll talk about that later. And also, uh, it's also a lot more politics. And because of that and the time thing, your relationship with this direct becomes shadowed by the ongoing process of waiting around for them, 
meaning not you, even though you are part of them, to tell us, meaning you and your direct. In other words, you're separating in terms of drawing the line. The line between the company and the individual happens on the other side of you, not between you and the direct, which is, of course, wrong. And that we're waiting to hear what the outcome is. The second thing, and I've already think made this clear, this separates you from the organization. It puts you on the side of the direct. Guys, you can't find anybody who says the professional approach is for you to side with the direct. No, unfortunately, you speak for the company. You have role power, and role power is the ability to speak for the company, and so therefore, to your direct, you are the company. It's unprofessional for you to have that conversation and blame it on the company, and it's unprofessional, and it impacts your relationship with your direct. Your first responsibility is the company, not to direct. And again, there's a cast for that. Welcome to they, professional subordination. Okay, we're, now, this is a pretty big topic, and we got a long ways more to go here, but I think we're we're close to about a half an hour here, so I think our next topic is going to be fairly long. So why don't we stop here and... Um, well, can, can I say one thing before we go? Yeah, sure. We've really given the bad news first, and now we've got to educate about compensation and so on. Folks, if you handle this right a couple of times, I want you to consider the network effect or the aggregate effect of you sending a message that I'm going to say no, I'll work with the best people to get more pay for them. And what this means is the best people feel like they're being taken care of. And some of the people who aren't doing as well may think, well, I'm probably not going to get a raise from him. This doesn't even discuss the issue of pay raises are not the way to keep people. Okay. But if you're going to manage, you want your managerial approach to generally favor your better performers and maybe not disfavor, but certainly not favor your weaker performers. And that's part of the concept that underlies this entire discussion. Yeah, I think as well that when you have these kind of, I think of these kind of as, as jugular issues, you know, pay for people is, is important. It's their career. It's their ability to take care of their kids and their, their spouse and their family. And when you learn this stuff and the, the conversation comes up and you have a conversation where they walk away and go, that lady's a professional. She knows what she's talking about. And if you're a young manager, you've been a manager for six months and you can handle this conversation well, you're going to look like an absolute pro. And yep. that feeling of respect uh, and admiration is going to help in a lot of different areas. And this, this, this is an area just because of the emotional importance people place on this is a place you want to get that conversation right. Yeah. And I, as I've told many young managers before, you don't actually have to feel like a pro inside to appear like a pro to your directs if you know what behaviors to engage in and you can behave your way into the feeling. Yeah. Well said. You don't have to wait to be 50 to be good at this stuff. Yeah. You might as well start practicing now. Yeah, this is good stuff. So next next week we'll get into the the rest of it. And 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 folks, it's it's good stuff. This is the stuff I wish I knew when I was twenty two years old. Yeah, exactly. Well, of course we didn't have to use it in the army, right? But juggler nonetheless. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, partner. All right, we'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. <laughs>